Thank you very much indeed for talking to us in this Enterprise Tuesday series of podcasts. You mentioned in your talk tonight passion, determination, and using that passion and determination to overcome the many no's you get when you start a business up yourself. I call it bridging the credibility gap. When you start, nobody knows you, nobody knows your brand, nobody knows your product. And how do you get people to finance you, to supply you, to buy from you? And I believe that you do those things if you have complete and utter passion and faith and confidence and belief in your product and yourself, in in your idea. And that gives people the confidence and the faith to trust you, to give you a chance. And when you originally took your idea to your father, he wasn't very impressed, was he? No. Well, I, um, uh, my father, like most people, thought I didn't stand a chance at all. And uh, I remember going to see him and uh, full of enthusiasm for my business idea. And uh, he said, what are you doing? All this education, you're becoming an import-export waller. Get a proper job. And, of course, you don't get deterred by that because you have the passion and the faith in your idea and you just keep going and go for it. You always had the vision of having a global brand. Tonight's lecture has been about global ideals and also your own personal lifestyles. But surprisingly, you didn't seem to give our audience a chance not to be global. You said whatever size business they were thinking of setting up, small, medium or large, they had to go be global. Why is that? I think that... Um, well, I think that... We today, as I've heard President Clinton say, that countries have always been interdependent on one another. Today, we're an integrated global community. And we've seen it with the global financial crisis, how things um, happen so quickly and spread so quickly. The old saying of the United States uh, sneezes, uh, the rest of the world catches a cold. Well, now we catch that cold the same day. And... I think you have to operate as a global business. I mean, with communications, with technology, it is now so easy to travel and communicate that even a small two-person business can be a global business, can take advantage of global opportunities, be they opportunities in working. I don't call it outsourcing. I call it right-sourcing. Or taking advantage of a market globally. For example, India, the huge growing consumer class, middle class in India, 300 million people growing at the population of a country like the Netherlands, 14, 15 million people being added to it, is a huge and growing market that is open to every, every um, company everywhere in the world, and particularly a country like Britain, where we have such wonderful relations with, with India and where I'm proud to chair the UK-India Business Council. Yes, you've described your own company as a, a British company, a British brand, but with Indian links. Do you think every com- company could begin with those global aspirations, given they may not have those links? Well, as long as your idea, your product has global potential, which now more and more products do, uh, you look at any successful, major successful brand, they tend to be globally successful brands. In my case, I created a brand of beer with um, a, a, a mission from day one to make it a global beer brand. Even when I started from absolutely nothing, even where the brand never existed, the brew never existed, it was created with a view to making it a global beer brand. 
and the taste had to be globally appealing. The brand Cobra is globally appealing. Uh, and you work for the global vision right, right up front. But might not that influence your lifestyle, how often you see your family? Your family is clearly international, but others may not be. Do you think those who in the audience tonight put up their hands, and they were in the majority, saying they want to set up a, a small business, may not want that global lifestyle and the sacrifices it might entail? I made it very clear right at the beginning of the, of the talk uh, that there are different aspirations uh, and people want to start up a small business people are quite happy never to grow into a medium business let alone grow into a giant business it's a very personal thing um, and I think that if you've got global aspirations starting from nothing it does mean a great deal of sacrifice it does mean taking huge risks on a sustained basis because every time you grow your brand further you are taking more and more for risk and you're persevering even further um, whereas it is quite understandable that a lot of people, and today there were many hands, that were quite content with building a small business. And I think it is a very personal thing. In the same way that it's very personal, whether uh, there are some entrepreneurs who want to build a business and after they've reached a certain target, uh, want to sell out. Um, after they've reached a certain value that they think they can realize their business, for their business, they sell out. Uh, or they reach a certain age and they say, well, I'm, when I'm 50, I want to sell out and put my feet up and lie on a beach. And there are others like me where I just love what I do so much, I never want to stop. I want to keep working if my health permits until I'm 90. And keep creating and reinventing your brand as well. Well, there's um, constant uh, innovation is, is absolutely key. And I think the maxim of if it ain't broke, don't fix it doesn't apply to entrepreneurship and business. It's non-stop restless innovation even when things are going fantastically and swimmingly and smoothly it's non-stop innovation could we just take a moment in the lecture when you told us about that innovation when you changed the name of your brand because it was realized the consumers wouldn't take to panther so you decided to change it to cobra perhaps we could end on that story because it seemed to me it took a tremendous amount of agility on your part to make all those decisions so instantaneously to stop production to change the labels to say yes we've got to do something different there's a very good saying that good judgment comes from experience and experience comes from bad judgment and you've got to make those mistakes and you've got to learn from those mistakes and hopefully not repeat the mistakes and a, a very good example of that was when we chose the brand name for the beer. We'd have chosen any name. We chose Panther. Uh, we actually decided that that would be the name. We had the label designed. Uh, I handed the label to the printers in India. I got on with developing the product. And two weeks before production, I got a phone call from my partner who was holding the fort in London saying he was trying to pre-sell the beer and nobody liked the name Panther. And so... Instead of saying, well, who cares? We've chosen Panther. We're going to go for it. We said, okay, well, we went through hundreds of names. The second choice name was Cobra. Let's see what customers think of Cobra. And within a day, he was able to give me feedback that they loved the name Cobra. Luckily, the labels hadn't been printed. And I was able to go to my brother, who was in Hyderabad, had his own advertising agency. And with his help, we created the Cobra brand packaging design from scratch. And it's the best decision we made because our most valuable asset is the Cobra brand. And the lesson I learned there was you can come up with an idea as an entrepreneur 
but you never go forward without checking it with the consumer first. Thank you very much indeed for talking to us in this Enterprise Tuesday series of lectures. Thank you very much. It's great to be back at Cambridge. Uh, Absolutely marvellous. Thank you.